Welcome to our podcast series discussing treatment-related adverse events within Fortumab Vedotin in the management of urothelial carcinoma. We introduced the topic in our first episode with Dr. Norman Blais, who is a medical oncologist and director of clinical research in thoracic oncology at the CHUM and adjunct professor at McGill University in Montreal, Quebec. Dr. Joelle Clovo, a dermatologist specializing in the diagnosis and treatment of melanoma and skin cancers, and an associate professor with the Department of Medicine at Laval University guides us through this discussion. In this first episode, we discuss the evolution of therapy from chemotherapy to treatment with novel therapies such as enfortumab vedotin or EV. We then focus on the key clinical trials examining the efficacy and safety of EV for the treatment of urothelial carcinoma. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Joël Clavaux, dermato-oncologist at uh, CHU de Québec. I have the pleasure to work today with uh, Dr. Normand Blais, uh, professor of medicine and medical oncologist at Le CHUM. And we're going to speak about the new uh, development in the uroendothelial carcinoma. So, uh, Dr. Blais. Good evening. Uh, hello, everyone. The objectives for tonight are actually to talk about a new and exciting compound that's being used for locally advanced and metastatic urothelial carcinoma. So we're going to focus on um, infortumab vedotin, which is uh, now regularly used to treat uh, this disease. So we're going to talk about its indication. We're going to talk about different uh, uh, management issues, including the adverse events. And we're going to focus with the uh, presence of Dr. Clavaux to guide us about uh, different skin reactions we can see with this product and how we can uh, learn to manage them. The common situation in metastatic urothelial carcinoma is that this disease is, is really difficult to treat for most people. We find that a lot of patients have comorbidities, have vascular disease, have many tobacco-related uh, disease which obviously is, is the cause of urothelial carcinoma for most patients. And these comorbidities uh, associated with age uh, make it difficult to treat most patients. These patients all have some form of renal failure as well, so that contributes to us not being able to treat most patients uh, that uh, would need some form of treatment to potentially prolong their disease and potentially even have long-term remissions from treatment. So for the patients that can be treated, the standard of care in Quebec and Canada is uh, usually using platinum-based doublets. So that's still the um, standard of care for uh, most patients. And patients that uh, progress on platinum-containing agents usually go on to Use to to use uh, immunotherapy, and eventually down the line can get other treatments that we'll discuss. Uh, Doctor Blake, can you explain us a little bit the actual algorithms for treatment of urothelial carcinomas? The uh, usual standard of practice in Canada is to use uh, platinum doublet chemotherapy. There was indication for immunotherapy in patients that are not eligible for chemotherapy, but that is not uh, reimbursed 
in Canada. So essentially, patients are selected to receive a carboplatin or cisplatin combined with gemcitabine. Uh, Dostanzenvac is not regularly used in the uh, advanced setting. And then patients that are uh, either stable or responding to chemotherapy move on to avelumab maintenance, whereas patients that are progressing after chemotherapy, uh, instead of using avelumab, they'll be using pembrolizumab, essentially because pembrolizumab has been studied in the progressive space, and avelumab has been studying in the patients that are stable or responding. And fortumab vedotin, the drug that we're going to talk about a lot tonight, uh, is mostly used in patients that are progressing after chemo and after immunotherapy. So essentially, a third agent uh, that's being considered for that disease. What is the mechanism of action of fortumab vedotin? It's a targeted therapy, I believe. So it's a combination of targeted and chemotherapy. Uh, and we'll see later on that the side effects of infortumab are uh, linked to the cytotoxic activity of this uh, antibody drug conjugate. So these types of drugs are abbreviated ADCs to mean antibody drug conjugate. And uh, from, uh, from the composition of this molecule, it's an antibody combined linked to chemotherapy drugs that are essentially being uh, internalized into cells. And uh, when this compound is uh, degraded by the lysosome, the chemotherapy part of this drug, uh, which is monomethyl oristatin E, a uh, very hard name to pronounce, even when we're used to it. Uh, and so this compound is a cytotoxic portion that is going to be uh, involved in the cytotoxicity of the cell but it can actually also diffuse outside of the cell and have a bystander effect. So this will probably explain a lot of the um, non-tumoral side effects that this drug can have. What are the main studies uh, demonstrating the efficacy of infortunab vandutin? This infortunab has become a standard of care. So uh, that was based mainly on EV301. Uh, was a randomized trial that compared infortumab vedotin with third-line chemotherapy. So it used to be that uh, taxanes like docetaxel or paclitaxel would be used in patients uh, with no other option. So this was the um, proof-of-concept trial and the registration trial for infortumab that uh, essentially uh, was able to show that uh, we could improve survival uh, with infortumab vedotin compared to what was considered to be poorly active chemotherapy. So um, EV301 showed that we could increase the survival probability by 30%. And uh, we also showed that we can increase progression-free survival. We could improve uh, overall response rate. Uh, we could actually double this response uh, with about 19% with chemotherapy, which we've seen in other similar trials using vaccine uh, type of chemotherapy, increased that, doubling it to around 41% with infortumab vedotin. So very powerful drug, uh, infortumab vedotin, which leads to, as I've mentioned, increase, increased in, in uh, very important um, outcomes for patients in this category of, uh, of treatment. 
Can you tell us about the safety profile of this uh, new treatment? So uh, it's probably going to be important for everyone um, to consider that even though we tend to see this agent as an antibody, because Enfortumab, uh, you know, makes us think that it's an antibody type drug, and we're used to giving antibodies where we don't need to adjust dose, we just give the antibody at a certain fixed interval of time, and uh, we don't tend to see dose-related toxicities. But we, we, we will have to learn, and I hope uh, the audience tonight remembers that there's a chemotherapy aspect of this agent that we can modulate by decreasing the dose, adjusting the intervals, just like we do with chemotherapy. And if you look at the side effect profile, you'll see that it's very much like chemotherapy in terms of the possibility of alopecia, neuropathy. So the linked cytotoxic compound has some neuro, uh, neurotoxic potential. So that has to be uh, remembered. A lot of side effects uh, in the skin that uh, you'll, you'll probably talk to us about later, Dr. Lavo, and uh, some digestive aspects, and uh, as well as, as uh, hematologic side effects. When we compare these side effects to chemotherapy, it tends to be relatively similar to what we can expect with taxanes that give uh, hematologic side effects, that give neuropathy, and on, on the opposite of taxanes, we'll see a little bit more skin and corneal toxicity. If we want to break it down by um, the frequencies of these adverse events, we tend to look at adverse events in terms of all grade toxicity, and we also tend to look at grade three or higher toxicity. But in my personal experience, especially for skin toxicity, corneal toxicity, neuropathy, a grade two is a very significant side effect. And we, we wouldn't want to get into a situation where we're pushing treatment in a patient that has a grade two toxicity. I tend to be very proactive when I manage my patient with this agent, and I've learned to uh, dose reduce very fast to avoid getting into um, these significant toxicities. So in terms of magnitude, uh, we see that ocular uh, toxicities occur in about one-fifth of patients, dysgeusia in one-fourth of patients, skin reaction in up to half of patients. So that's going to be a very significant uh, issue to discuss. Hyperglycemia, especially in patients that have underlying diabetes, can run into issues. So it's important to follow blood sugar in patients, especially the diabetics. Some uh, digestive issues, diarrhea, nausea, decreased appetite in up to a third of patients. Some infusion site reactions, which are pretty rare. And uh, as I've mentioned, uh, some occasional um, hematologic toxicity, mostly uh, uh, manifest by uh, decreased neutrophil counts. The side effects, talking about side effects, uh, when we compare enfortumab vedotin with chemotherapy, can uh, occur at different time intervals. We tend to see the skin reactions much quicker than neuropathy. We tend to see the ocular disorders a little later uh, than skin reactions. And we see hyperglycemia uh, relatively quickly. So in terms of sequence, we're going to see the skin reactions first, potentially eventually dry eyes, 
corneal abrasions, blurred vision, so that can happen in further cycles of treatment. And so that will lead us to manage our patient differently uh, according to where he's at in terms of his treatment. Now uh, we see that there is more and more combination or sequencing of those treatments. Can you tell us about the usage of Afortunab uh, Vedotin in combination with uh, immunotherapy on TPD-1? The combination of infortumab plus pembrolizumab has uh, been approved by the FDA now. So it's expected that this combination will play a, a bigger role in the frontline treatment of patients. The approval by Canada is not, has not happened as of April 2023, but we can expect that it might be approved in the future. But it probably will depend a lot on the results of this trial that is done, but where the results are not uh, available yet. We participated in uh, this trial at CHUM, uh, was comparing infortumavidotin plus pembrolizumab compared to our standard of care, which is gemcitabine and platinum chemotherapy. And uh, we don't have the results of this trial yet, but the results of the phase two uh, trials of infortumab and pembrolizumab were um, so encouraging that uh, this is the data that led to the FDA to approve this combination before the randomized trial results have been shown. And this is EV103. This is the one of the important data sets that has pushed FDA to approve this combination. So these patients uh, were uh, included to receive either EV plus Pembro versus EV monotherapy in successive cohorts. So it's, it's essentially a phase two trial the uh, overall response rate for the combination is around uh, 65% compared to uh, EV monotherapy that has uh, a still a very nice response rate of 45%. So quite impressive results, very encouraging, and we expect the uh, uh, randomized trial that is complete now to be presented in, in the very near future. And um, a lot of people are expecting that EV plus Pembro uh, might move in the first uh, line space and replace uh, our, our standard chemotherapy agents in, in this population of patients. When we look at EV plus Pembro compared to EV monotherapy arm in the first line space, we see uh, from the results of this trial and from my personal experience that uh, we are going to see potentially more EV-related side effects. We might see more combined side effects that are related to the immune adverse events of pembrolizumab, plus the uh, potential cytotoxic effects of infortumab. We talked about half of patients having adverse reactions with infortumab vedotin alone in the a uh, single-arm trial of EV plus Pembro, we had up to two-thirds of patients with all-grade skin toxicities, so potentially more toxic. So we'll have to learn how to uh, manage this combination very precisely to uh, decrease the doses of Enfortumab, uh, not push the drugs when patients come with side effects, and learn how to uh, work together uh, with our colleagues and potentially uh, mostly dermatologists, to uh, be able to help us to give the optimal uh, results that we can get with this very efficacious treatment in the future. 